This is the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast for August 15th, 2016. Welcome to part two of a topic we started in the previous episode, Teachers Training New Engineering Teachers. If you haven't heard that one yet, go check it out. You might remember Melanie and Natalie, two engineering teachers who are preparing to help run a professional development, or PD, for new engineering teachers. They never ran this training before. In the last episode, we heard their plans right before they ran the training, and now we hear their debrief right after. In addition to Natalie and Melanie, the teacher Ellen Brown also is here today as she also helped run the training session and could share her thoughts. Also, Engineer Southern Satya Silan is co-host today. Yo, I've been thinking about the youth and not just my kids. Hate to see them growing hard. I'm Pius, your host. Hi, I'm Southern. I'm the co-host here. Hi, I'm Melanie Kong. I'm engineering and math teacher up in Seattle area. I'm Natalie Weil. I also teach engineering and mathematics uh, here in the Austin area. And I'm Ellen Brown, and I teach math and engineering at the Pomfret School in Connecticut. Ellen was not a former practicing engineer, but she's here to ask some great questions and observe because she also was in on the training session uh, that we talked about in the previous episode. So last, the part one, we ended up with a thought, an idea. That was you guys brought up the idea of, okay, how do you deal with the teachers when you have only dealt with students uh, till now? Um, and one of the ideas that you brought up was you want to set up a rule before you start your training session. And the rule was uh, you put on a hat of a student and then you put on a hat of a teacher, uh, your audience. And then that was the rule you wanted to set up. So my question is, like, how did that work out? Uh, was it smooth? Was there any problems? What happened? On day one of training, we spent some time discussing the philosophy behind why we thought it was good for teachers to stay in student mode during the training. So we explained how we thought it was important that they experience the struggles of students and they would have student questions and that they would keep uh, documentation as a student was so they had some kind of textbook in their own hands for what would student work look like. So we were really clear about that up front and we also talked about how we would redirect some of their teacher questions that we respected them. We knew that they would have those teacher questions, but that there was a time built in the schedule for them. So we told them that we would redirect those questions as they happened. I think that having that conversation up front was very helpful. This is Natalie. I also think it's really important, particularly for this PD, for them to experience it in the in the student mode. Because um, if you're only in teacher mode the whole time and just talking about only the, the curriculum and the, the education piece of it, um, you know, it's not as as useful. We want them to be in it actually doing it. And I can't imagine these new teachers going out and implementing the curriculum without having experienced it firsthand before they go out and and do it with their their students. And how did it go? Did did the teachers get their hands dirty and do yes, everything you wanted? They, well, yes, and it was uh, yeah they were doing they were doing the projects they were doing construction. We also you know we told them because this is a shortened version we're we're cramming a year's worth of content into two weeks. You're not going to be able to spend as long as you you will with your students. You won't be able to complete it and finish it, um, but you're going to do parts of it so you can feel what it's like. Um, but it it still was um, a a struggle at times to keep the teachers their their tendency is to drift towards teacher mode um to keep them in student mode um 
when they're supposed to be in student mode um, and not kind of getting in the weeds with with questions. So um, they still want to do that. And, um, and I think we did a really good job at the start of kind of separating that and and moderating moderating that, you know, hey, let's let's put a pin in that for later. Let's stay in student mode. We'll come back to it. And I think um, but I think it was equally hard for us right. as trainers to, to do it. it. You know, it, we started off really well, but then as the as it went on, mm. it, it started to divert yeah. back to that. But that was because it was it was hard for me. I had to remember it was to no no. I got I got to keep them in student yeah. mode. Sure. Um. So it it was it was both goes both ways. So you had people like Ellen around as well as other co. Uh, what's the word, co-leaders of this PD session. Did they help you, consulting teachers, did they help you stay in line when you needed to be? Or was it just up to you when you were up there to remember all this? One of the things that us consulting teachers talked about ahead of time is really trying to respect the consultant teacher who's up in the front because what we observed in another PD session is that it can get really confusing when there are too many leaders in the classroom. Um, in order for the teachers to authentically stay in student mode, they have to know who they're looking at and who their, their quote, teacher is at that moment. And so I, I think that we, the consultant teachers on the side, we really try to um, defer teacher I like teach much of them later, and then we try to defer the attention up to the teachers that are up front. So I don't think that we really stepped in very much during the training to be like, "Hey, um, that's not a good time for this question," or "Hey, stay in stay in student mode." I don't. That might be something that we might want to think about in the future. Is as we see it happening, maybe we should step in. I'm I'm not sure about that. Ellen, you had something to add. So I wanted to know what strategies you used to for yourself as consulting teachers to stay in teacher mode as you were teaching and not uh, resort to my class we. Right. I I mean, so that was one of the things is I knew that there was this list of words in my head that I needed to avoid. So, so Ellen brought up my class we. Your class is also takes some away from the student. We were talking about your class and your students would. And so I just tried to avoid those words as much as possible. Instead, I just said, you will and we will. You know, I, I try not yeah. to ever say your students, my class, yeah. your. I try. Yeah, this is Natalie again. I tried to do the same thing. I had that kind of that same list of trigger words in my head <laughs> of when I start heard myself or when I started to think it, or sometimes when I heard the words almost coming out of my mouth, I would stop and redirect what my sentence was to say, you will, or we will, or, um, yeah. and, and, and again, I wasn't perfect. And sometimes it, it, it came out, you know, your students will do this or, you know, but, yeah. but, but it was at least a trigger for me in my head to maybe to change, just change my wording. And it's subtle, but I think it's, it's, uh, important to keep them in that student perspective. Did that change a whole lot? I, I by think changing the language and changing the context of, okay, this is not about your class and my class. It's about you and me here. Yeah. I, I think it did. Comparing the last PD that we observed and comparing it to this one, we did see that teachers were doing a much better job of writing in their notebook. That was mm-hmm. one huge improvement is teachers were consistently using their notebook to document everything in the process. And they were asking questions that a student would ask mm-hmm. very often. And yeah. That was that was really cool to see. Instead of immediately, the the teachers in the PD session we observed would ask questions like, "Well, how would you implement this in class? What would your class do?" Mm-hmm. But in this session, we got fewer of those questions. And when they had those questions, they would, you know, preface it with, "Hey, teacher question." So you set up the rule of uh, teacher mode and student mode. Did you define it or was it, did it mold itself as it was going? 
Did they knew what student was, what teacher yeah. was, what is? Yeah, I think we and when we talked about it the first day, we kind of explained to them we wanted them to have the student experience, you know, and what they would feel like in their classroom, and kind of and and assured them that we would give them time for those teacher implementation questions. But when we're in the activity, we want it to be from from a a student. Yeah, so it sounds like they got the engineering the, content that a yeah. student should get. Do you think that sacrificed anything in terms of the the teacher type questions? I what I think is a lot of times the questions that they're asking a lot of them, not all of them, but will get answered if they will just wait because they mm-hmm. haven't they haven't had the experience of going through the curriculum. So they don't know, they don't have that perspective big picture perspective at in the moment. So if they will just wait, stick with me. Wait for it. Once we get through the project and you can really see it, half of those questions that you're going to get, that you are thinking of will get answered. And then the other half, we're going to give you time to answer those. But, you know, if you answer every single teacher-based question in the moment, first of all, we'd never get through the PD. Um, and second of all, some of them are very, very specific. And now you're answering one question for that's important for one person, but the other 30 people in the room are is a waste, you know, could is potentially a waste of their time. And I don't, we don't want that PD to feel like a waste of time for anybody. And we have just too much content to cover. Um, we don't have the time to do that. So a lot of just by keeping them in student mode and keeping them on track, a lot of those questions will get answered just by the nature of moving on to the next lesson or moving on to the next section. Um, and I, I want to give an example of that. For instance, the last unit in Engineer Your World is aerial imaging. And it's a huge project which involves um, subsystems and they're working in individual subsystem teams. And a lot of the teachers are getting really frustrated. Like, why can't I talk with everybody in my group? Why do I need to work in my subsystem team? And we just told them, like, they kept on asking, but we just told them, like, wait for that question. And at the very end, after we'd gone through the unit, we were able to actually turn the question back on them. Like, why was that important? And they had answers for themselves because they had experienced the course. Kind of goes back to the philosophy, too, of, you know, that experiential learning and constructing your own that constructivist view of your own learning experience well in order to do that you have to experience it you have to go through it so they won't really you know so they have to to live it to kind of really so it seems like like it's it's incredibly vital for them to go through the program as a student for portions of it yes what portions do they not have to do as a student what were the things you you skipped over in terms of the student experience Mm. Writing, yeah. Writing so reports. they didn't write. They didn't write the actual reports. We don't have to have time for that. But we of course <laughs> talked about them. You know, talked about rubrics and and what elements should be included in those reports and what would it would look like for a student who was who is really writing the report. Um, I think that the parts that we really tried to model for them. Well, of course, all of the actual projects, they built the projects mm-hmm. so they knew what the problems would be. But the other parts that we tried to model as teacher-student were things that they might not have done in a non-PBL and project-based yeah. learning environment. So things like the different grouping strategies, we tried to model for them. And I heard some teachers saying, oh, that's really cool. I'm going to do this in my math classroom now. And building a rubric collaboratively with your students, that's something mm-hmm. that a lot of teachers might not have already done. Things that we didn't focus on as much were, again, like the writing reports, but also some of the little, the smaller student activities along the way. Some of the additional research projects. So there was a lot of opportunity to streamline what you all did. So you guys are a little bit unique because you practiced engineering before uh, you started teaching. Were there any moments in this PD uh, session where you think you had to put on your engineer's hat? 
I spent like maybe two minutes with my engineer's hat on yeah. at the beginning of, of the unit that I helped write, the, the chemical engineering unit. Natalie, you had a lot of good stuff to share about the, about buildings and. Yeah, I guess, yeah, when we so. did the, the buildings unit, my background is in structural engineering. So yeah, when we talked about, um, resonance and things that affect buildings, resonance and, um, you know, I drew on, on my experience, um, not only from, previously teaching this course, but my background in structural engineering. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did during that portion but for I, sure. I don't think that we did it any more than we would with our students. No. Like I feel yeah, like we no would have different. shared the same things. It was basically like you were a teacher. Yeah, right, with, right. with our students. Okay. I share those things with my students. But I guess what was cool was drawing upon, we had a bunch of engineering teachers in the classroom as well. So uh, it was yeah. really cool to be able yeah. to. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, that's yeah. A, yeah, right, right. So let's bring that up. How many of your trainees, I guess, how, how many of them were engineers before? Yeah, I was, oh, yeah a, about a, a third of the teachers had a prior experience. As how did an that affect the atmosphere? It was really cool. You like even on the first day of conversations around norms, like you heard teachers and prior engineers talking about how we have these different experiences to bring and we can share them and we can respect yeah. each other's experiences. So I think that, that that continued throughout the course and it was cool to be able to throw questions back onto the teachers and be yeah. like, Hey, for you for those of you working in industry, can you share something about this? And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, a big focus of this course is uh like just engineering habits of mind and it was fun to see like when we threw out what are you know, common terms in the curriculum from a, you know, common vocabulary from an engineer's perspective or things that I would use as an engineer, you know, talking about RFIs and, and all sorts of, you know, stuff like that. They knew what we were talking about. They jumped right on, in on it, um, because they had that, that and they experience. They were sprinkled throughout every group so yeah. you could spread the knowledge. Yeah, it was great. That was, and they were, they were a fantastic resource to have in this type of PD. Um, and I think they it really brought up the level, um, just the level of, expertise in yeah. the room and everybody. That's really fortunate because yeah. I don't think that's always the case. No. If you could do this over again, would there be anything that you would do differently? Or was there any surprises? The, yeah, that's surprise, yeah, that's really ultimately what it is because yeah. this is your first time doing this. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. So okay. I, think, I think this is just like... Um, your first period class is always a little bit of guinea pig. The first time you, but the first time you teach a course, the whole year is just kind of a, an exper, you know, a little bit of an experiment, and you have successes and failures, and you always want to incorporate those into future future units or future um, years when you teach the course. Um, same same thing here. This was the first time teaching it, so some things went well, some things I'm like, oh yeah, I wish wish we had done that. But you know, it's all about just having a continual improvement process. Yeah. So, and we all agreed about this. We would talk about how this is like first period, but all day. Yeah, all day long. All day first period. So <laughs> For two weeks. I think what was, mm -hmm. we kept notes on everything, you know, mm -hmm. but I, and I don't think there's anything huge that we no. would change about the way, you know, like not any philosophical thing or, but. I think what is hard for yeah. all of us is, is knowing that we won't have until next year or maybe the year after in order to, to make improvements. And, and we're worried that we're going to lose everything that we learned in this, in this first period two week training. Yeah. I think if you, if you're looking for specifics, like I mentioned earlier, like we started off really well with the teacher student mode, like stu student hat, teacher hat and diverting things. And it got harder as, you know, the week went on and, and just keeping that in mind. So I think that's just a personal thing and personal practice. The more I do it, the better I would get at it. And since this is my first time, time through, obviously. Um, so I think with time that would, 
that would get better. I think it was just little things, little like scheduling things, you know, it felt, you know, a little crunch for time at the beginning of the two week PD and it got easier as it went on, just gotten a flow. So, but that's more like yeah. really broad, just adjusting our timing. I think um, scheduling and transitions. Sometimes transitioning. it was, so there was actually five of us consulting teachers who were trading off and helping to lead the PD. So some of the transitions, I think we would have wanted to plan ahead a little bit more or mm-hmm. talk about what that would look yeah. like and who really was taking what parts. And yeah, yeah. And it's hard to fi- get five people all in the same, same page. It was, it was all really the time. fun. We had, but a, it was, yeah. I learned so much in these two weeks. I feel like it was, I, it, was it was PD for us. It was PD for me. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. So how well did you uh, figure out how to have uh, groups of teachers teaching and how long they should teach before they should switch to another group? Oh, good question. Um, so what we found at the beginning of the PD is we had the schedule more segmented where we were trading off more often throughout the day on different lessons that we were teaching within even within a, an entire unit like I would teach lesson one and Melanie would do two and somebody else would do three and we felt that that was too choppy and didn't have a, a good flow for the feel of the for the participants in the PD so what we started doing was having larger chunks so there was more continuity throughout uh, a unit. So we almost went to like um, AM and PM, you know, making that switch or that break at lunch mm-hmm. um, to have larger chunks and more continuity. Um, and I think that that we felt like that worked out really well, that the, there was there there was a better flow to the PD after we made that adjustment. Was um, that a direct feedback from the teachers about this? No, no that, was that, our, was, that was how we felt. We just felt like we didn't if we were trading off too much, we were losing sight of what the big picture was, or maybe some of us felt like the big picture was something else, and then we were um, running into each other a, a little bit with, yeah. with what we were trying to get across with the unit. So it really helped just to have a larger chunk so you could think about, okay, what are the main points I want to get across in this segment? And and you have the entire you know four hours in order to do that instead of just like, I have an hour and I got to tell everything now. Yeah. And it's hard to, you know, when you're not the one saying it, it's like, oh, well, wait, did Melanie say that earlier? Did she not? I, oh, you mean I'm, gaps. yeah, overlaps and gaps. I think there's more that that went much better once we had larger chunks. And we kind of tried to team, team teach it for the chunks. Like, um, you know, in the AM, it would be me and Melanie and maybe in the PM, it would be the other participants, Joe and Ellen. And so even though we were taking a larger block, um, I might be teaching, you know, most of the, the AM time, but Melanie would be right there kind of helping me. And, um, you know, if I forgot to say something, yeah. she'd chime in or vice versa. When she was teaching, I'd be there maybe writing on the board for her being a scribe. So yeah. um, making her life easier. I'm, I'm curious, Ellen, that's a great question. But back in your, your real life teaching, you have a team teacher, right? Yes, I do. And so I'm wondering... Is Natalie's answer pretty similar to what you experienced team teaching? Yes. So when I team teach the class for students with a colleague and we do it in bigger chunks and it works and also just naturally it kind of fell to um, one of us to do more of the lesson planning, another one to do more of, say, the the coding or the um, the building. Um, uh, the other teacher is a science teacher. I'm a math teacher. So it kind of uh, naturally divided that way as well. So but bigger chunks definitely work better. I don't know why didn't think of it sooner here but (laughs) (laughs) but I also think that from a student mode it's better to have one teacher to create the dynamics Mm -hmm. rather than teacher keeps changing 
and I'm, I'm not connected to it. Yeah, it's like having 10 bosses in, yeah. when you're working yeah. in industry. That's always mm, horrible. Doesn't seem like a good right. idea. We made the switch pretty early on. We figured it out. But I think yeah. originally we were just looking at the schedule and there were five of us. And I think we were almost trying to be polite. Yeah, we like, didn't want to make one person do too much work and, oh, and, sort, of, and sort of spread the workload out yeah. across the day. But then we figured... You know, we were honestly, I think, just doing it from a politeness perspective. Right. Do you think like, like two hours for for each person? Yeah, yeah. we tried to we tried to make equal yeah. dist- distribution of time, but then we realized no, we should be for continuity's mm. sake. We should do this in larger chunks for the students. I I'm wondering, is part of it that you had wanted your participants to meet you all equally to that get to know you definitely all? Definitely the first on day. day one. Yes, on the first day, it was really important that they saw all of our faces and got to right. to know us a little bit. But and we I th- continued with that kind of scheduling on day two. Okay. We figured out that it wasn't working. <laughs> yeah, well. I think it worked well for day one <laughs> yeah. for everybody to see us. But see, for, as the week went on, yeah, it was better to have larger chunks. And it seems like a good strategy to have day one where it yeah, was absolutely. One other thing that just really helped us set the tone for PD, it's, it's really fast paced and we just spent the one minute investment of time to show them a, a video of to set up the pace for how fast paced it was going to be. It was just a, a video clip from the Big Bang Theory where one of the characters just wants closure everywhere, but then his girlfriend's trying to give him therapy and will take everything away before it's done. But we set that, we showed him that video and throughout the whole PD, it would be like, oh, sorry, we have to move on. And they're like, oh, yeah, the video. Yeah. And that just helped all of our transitions into our next units go a lot faster because they, they weren't trying to wrap everything up. They weren't trying to finish and do the best they could. They, they knew that they wouldn't have enough time to finish everything, and it yeah. was okay. Yeah, and I think just um, maybe just, I don't know if this was a surprise, but, um, you know, stressing to teachers that, you know, it's okay. This is a, we are scramming a, a year's worth of content into two weeks and, and jumping on the, you're not going to be able to finish and it's not going to be perfect and it's okay. This is, try and, try and, uh, you know, just think about big picture. We want you to get, gain the experience, see what it's like. If it doesn't work out, if your building fails or your aerial imager doesn't take pictures, like, don't stress about it. Nobody's grading you here. I'm not judging you. Like, just, it's about the experience. So you can see what it's like. You can see what the content's like. So you understand it from a student's perspective and just, you know, kind of giving those teachers who were maybe stressing out a little bit, reminding them that, you know, just on a personal one-on-one basis um, to keep them from, you know, freaking out and just being like frustrated yeah just yeah for people from being frustrated like like, sad yeah it's okay there's no no reason to feel frustrated this should be a this should be a positive experience see now you're having a different hat you know being a coach or counseling counseling. (laughs) (laughs) well and i think that's a lot a lot of what this course in particular is you're less of a teacher and i think more of a a facilitator and a coach so moving forward next year what's going to be different so I don't know whether there are specific things, but I think all you know, we we learned so much from yeah. this one. We just want to implement those changes and make sure that the new teachers can do that as well. Mm-hmm. At the very least, you now have a recording of some of your ideas. You can go back and listen to it next year. Thanks. 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 <laughs> Hopefully, it it's won't all sound in our bad. engineering notebooks. That's what I was wondering. I don't know. There, it didn't happen. Yeah, it didn't yeah. happen. Were you actually taking notes as uh, you were doing we this? Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. That's yeah. really hard to so do. It's a student hat too. Yeah, you were a student, you were a teacher, you were an engineer, and a coach. you were a coach all in one in these two weeks. 
Sounds is, tough. Isn't that how it is like every day yeah, at that's school? What that's, that, that's, that's what being a teacher is. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for helping me out today. Uh, thanks to Melanie Kong, to Natalie Wild, to Ellen Brown. And uh, Southern and I, we were uh, facilitating. And I hope that we can hear more from you. Sounds great. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having us. All right. Thank you guys for doing it. Good luck. Thanks. Before we say goodbye, an announcement. This podcast now has a website. It's k12engineering.net. It's a little easier to say than all our SoundCloud and iTunes links individually. So go there to check out how to subscribe, like it on Facebook, tweet me on Twitter, and sign yourself up for a newsletter. Thank you for all the support and hope you listen next time. The views expressed in this podcast are our own and they are not necessarily the opinions of any schools or other organizations with which we might be connected. Our theme music comes from School Zone by the Honorable Sleaze. Our music clips in the middle came from Live Wire by Steve Combs. And our closing music came from Late for School by Bleep Tour. All are used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thank you.